This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. I think that, you know, TC really encourages that community effort and involvement. And of course, many graduates of TCU stay in Fort Worth. And I see other fellow, you know, TCU graduates in, in everything that I do, whether it's volunteering for another board or seeing TCU come out to the Territory Food Bank to, to provide a day of volunteering. That is the voice of Julie Butner, President and CEO of the Tarrant Area Food Bank. Julie will talk about the way her organization is meeting the needs of the Tarrant County community during not only the COVID-19 crisis, but also this Thanksgiving holiday. And we are joined today by a very special guest, especially during this Thanksgiving season. It is the President and CEO of the Tarrant Area Food Bank, Julie Butner. Thank you for, so much for joining us today, Julie. Well, thank you for having me. Well, the reason you're on this podcast is because before you were the president and CEO of Terra Area Food Bank and a number of other roles you've had, um, you were a TCU student. So tell us kind of what was the allure to coming to TCU um, when you decided to become a college student? You know, I was in a unique situation in that my father was in the military and they had just been assigned to Mexico. And at the time, Mexico was not the safest of places to be because of a different trade and embargoes that we had between the two countries. And uh, Texas has always been uh, the, the place we call home, even you know, being a military brat. So we looked for a college that would allow me to enter college uh, at the age of 16 before I had graduated from high school. And TCU provided that. They had an early admission program. I applied, interviewed, and was accepted. And uh, I'm so glad that that's where I landed. And so you started college at the age of 16? Yeah, I just, I think I had just turned 17 was maybe the deal. And um, yes, so I, I did not have a high school degree. And um, as, the, as the story went, my parents used to tell me, if you don't graduate from college, you're in real trouble because you don't have a high school diploma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that probably led you to kind of a different um, student experience than some other people. So what was, what was that like dealing with not only a new school, but also having a, a little bit of an age gap there? Uh, you know, it was great. I, um, I started slow. I took, I think, just 11 hours in that first semester. That was the caution my mother had given me that, you know, really I needed to use my first year as though it were my last year in college. I quickly um, got involved with the Army ROTC. A gentleman by the name of Captain Greg Ellison uh, was, was at ROTC, and his in-laws knew my mother and father from the military. So he kind of took me under his wing and I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, I did, I think I took a repelling class in my first semester at TCU. We used to repel off the TCU stadium <laughs> and I liked it. And I, you know, Captain Ellison was just a really handsome, nice, uh, you know, welcoming man that um, helped me get my feet on the ground. And I ended up applying for an ROTC Army scholarship which uh, paid my way through uh, TCU. And then I also got uh, involved in the sorority fraternity life. My mother was a Delta Gamma at the University of Missouri. And so I went through uh, the RUSH program. At the time we called it RUSH, not recruitment. <laughs> and I too joined Delta Gamma and that ended up being 
a great opportunity. Uh, some of my friends to this day come from the sorority. Oh, wow. So you, between ROTC and, uh, and, and sorority life, your hands were pretty full. It was full. And I did a lot. I mean, I studied too, of course. That's why we all go to college. But I just had a really, really good experience. And I should say this too. I ended up majoring in nutrition and dietetics, which is you know what got me started on my career path. And at the time I went through the program, Dr. Nell Robinson was the chair of the food and nutrition department at TCU. And I now have the pleasure of working with her son, who is the administrator of one of the largest foundations uh, here in Fort Worth, the Eamon Carter Foundation, uh, and also a very uh, prominent uh, contributor to the Tarrant Area Food Bank. So Ooh. it was funny when those dots connected for the first time because she too uh, played a very um, instrumental role in, in my development, particularly because I was so young uh, coming into college. But she was another um, great uh, mentor and advisor and also really took me under her wing. And what was really the thing that led to your interest in nutrition and dietetics in the in the early 90s? I don't know. Was that a was that a very popular field at the time? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I um, was always interested in the medical field and um, I thought maybe nursing and my mother had a real um, strong connection to a neighbor at one time who had been a dietitian and uh, she talked about how this neighbor was really able to maintain a career, even though she was traveling alongside her husband, who was a career military officer. And so my mother thought that, you know, that would be a good career to have if I ever wanted to have a family or what have you that, you know, I could kind of go back and forth. And, and so I, I started pre-med and a lot of the coursework that you take to become a dietitian is, um, the same as the coursework that you take to become, uh, to be pre-med, to, to go on to become a doctor. So I started and I just really enjoyed the classes. And I said, Dr. Nell Robinson was, you know, another person who was very influential and in helping the decision to go into nutrition and dietetics. And it's turned out to be, you know, just the right thing for me. It's been a, a good career choice. And you're able to mix those, uh, your education and the ROTC component together after graduation um, as you were uh, a part of the Army during Desert Storm, but you had a bit of a different role than just going on the front lines into Kuwait. So talk a little bit about uh, what your role was in, in the Army. So after I got out of TCU, I worked a little bit at some of the local hospitals and met my husband and we, I, we were married and he was also in the military and so we were stationed over in Nuremberg, Germany um, for him and I was working as a civilian at the 98th General Hospital in Nuremberg, Germany, which is the old Third Reich Hospital, very interesting history. Uh, and I was working as a dietitian going out. There were seven communities that the 98th General supported. So I was actually going out to these seven more remote communities and helping families with nutrition. And then the war broke out. And just prior to the war breaking out, the commander of the unit, Lieutenant Colonel Gelhausen, had decided to retire. So her retirement had already taken place and her stateside replacement was called up actually to go to Iraq. So they could not bring her to her replacement to Germany. 
And she turned to me because I'd been working for her as a civilian and drilling once one weekend a month. And she said, how about you go active and take on my role? So I was a, what we call in the military, a butter bar. I was, you know, second Lieutenant, 23 years old. And I was filling a Lieutenant Colonel's job. That would be somebody who, you know, is kind of middle to upper management. I think Grace at the time of her retirement was close to 50. Um, at those board meetings, uh, everybody in the room was mid 40s, uh, early 50s, all male, only female at the table, even the director was a male uh, at the 98th general. And so I was very, very young, very junior. Um, and it, it was because it put me uh, in a situation where I had to step up and, you know, really demonstrate that I was capable of leading at such a, a young age. I, I learned so much. Just, a, it was a good experience. And so how do you get a, a group of uh, seasoned military veterans <laughs> to listen to a recent come out of college younger than most recent college grads because you started school earlier so i mean what were those first couple months like of you know trying to get these people to you know i don't know convince them is the right word but really buy buy into what you were telling them needed to be done yeah you know that's really it's tough but i think it's one of the uh, you know, not to be gender biased, but I think as a female, you tend to be a little bit more collaborative in nature. And I think finding the allies that you know are going to support you as you make changes and as you're as you're stumbling a little bit, which I'm sure I did as as, as a young leader. Um, but you find your allies and and um, you collaborate. You try to figure out well what is it that the other person needs in order to support the direction that I'm trying to take them and, and how do I, you know, try to modify the approach so that they're bought in and I've engaged them to such an extent that they're willing to follow. Um, and yeah, it was, it was not easy. I, the sergeant who was in the unit was a very, very seasoned uh, non-commissioned officer. Uh, and, I, you know, that was probably my biggest struggle is just figuring out, well, what do I need to do with um, Sergeant Kiefer over here to get him <laughs> bought into the, to the young uh, woman who's trying to, to lead him. It was an interesting, you know, we took a hundred bed hospital uh, and turned it into a thousand bed hospital in a matter of a week, because at the time, uh, the last war the United States had been engaged in was Vietnam, and we had a lot of casualties, and 98th General was uh, one of the triage hospitals. So if somebody was injured in Iraq, they would first come to 98th General for triage and either stay and recover there or be sent back stateside if something was more severe. And we had no idea how long the war was gonna last or how many casualties we might incur because if we were comparing ourselves to Vietnam, we had to prepare as though um, you know, Desert Storm was going to do the same. And thankfully it did not. It was a very short-lived combat uh, mission and we did not have a lot of casualties, but we had to prepare as though uh, you know, we were really preparing for the worst. Hmm. And so you were in that role for, for four years and then you leave the army in 1992 and talk about a little bit about your career path um, after leaving the military. 
Well, I went to work right away. I knew I wanted to work for a big corporation. So even before I left Germany, I reached out to three large contract management companies, Aramark, um, Sodexo, and Compass Group, looking for uh, a job even before I left Germany and landed a, a position with uh, Morrison's Healthcare, which is part of Compass Group and uh, worked with them, started as a, an assistant director of an operation in um, Oklahoma City, and um, then was eventually promoted to a regional director where I had a multi-state area uh, responsible for profit loss and operations uh, in, in, uh, for all of the um, operating units in my territory. And then eventually um, went through um, and switched gears and got into business development and strategic partnerships. So I had the PL exposure and you know, leading and directing people, and then went on to get um, some experience in uh, business development, which was really uh, very helpful too, because in business development, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of negotiating skills, um, a lot of understanding other people's motivations and dynamics and you know, working uh, towards solutions that meet both the corporation that you're working for, their needs, and also the needs of the individual that you're, um, you know, selling into. So it's a great experience. And and Jen, this past January, you joined the, uh, you're the president and CEO of the Tarrant Area Food Bank. So what led you to joining the Tarrant Area Food Bank? Oh my goodness, Rob, this is so crazy how I, I landed here. Um, just prior to working here, I worked for a healthcare uh, coalition uh, or collaborative in Plano called TPC. And they worked together uh, starting primarily with purchasing as a group purchasing organization and then um, looking at other ways to collaborate as independent community hospitals so they can compete against the large system hospitals. And it's a great place to work. I, I just can't speak highly enough of it. But I got a phone call from a recruiter and um, she said, hey, I've got this job in Fort Worth and I think you ought to look at it. And I said, oh no, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing, don't need it. And she said, you know, please call me back several times. Please just look at the job description. So finally I said, okay, send me the job description. And it was 12 pages long of wow. responsibilities for the C the president and CEO of Terranary Food Bank. <laughs> and I remember getting that up and thinking, oh my goodness, this is this is a serious job. I, I need to print this off and really, you know, read through it, which I did. And, and I mean, I looked at every single uh, criteria and, and tied it back to something I had done along the way in my career. And by the time I got to the end of it, I was just really, really excited about the opportunity because it it did take everything I had done up to this point and um, use it as a skill, but in a very different way. I'd never worked for a nonprofit, um, and it just I it just was very excited about it. It was a long and laborious interview process. Uh, went through several rounds of phone interviews before the uh, search firm actually presented me to the selection committee. And then I went through several rounds of interviews with the selection committee and also had interviews with the staff that, um, you know, that today I am leading and supporting. So I, it's, it's absolutely the right fit. It, it, it's proven to be, even during the crisis, even during <laughs> the pandemic. 
And we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but I want to touch on this interview process. With all these interviews and all these responsibilities, how long did this whole process take? Uh, close to four months. Wow. Yeah. And so they hired you thinking this was going to be a quote unquote normal year. Um, and not knowing <laughs> that three months into it, we would be in a world pandemic. So um, if you could think back to eight months ago, uh, it was uh, at the start of this, when was the first you started hearing about um, through your partners, maybe around the state or country that this COVID-19 was going to be a, was going to be an issue that was going to place some burden on communities and then talk about the evolution as to how your role developed. Yeah, so I, you know, I think the selection process was so long because my uh, predecessor had been in the role for over 20 years, and I know that the board was very concerned that they find, um, you know, a replacement that would be stable. I mean, you can imagine having somebody in a job for over 20 years, and then you change that, um, you know, that that could, especially at the, the top position, it could really create chaos and it did create chaos, but not because of, not because of me initially, <laughs> right? But because of the pandemic. Um, we started. I started in January, and the first of March, my um, leader over development. Uh, we were preparing for our largest um, um, event, which is Empty Bowls, and he said to me at the beginning of March, "I'm really getting concerned about you know what we're hearing about this COVID-19," and I said, "Oh, you know." it's going to be okay. You know, everything that we're reading is going to be fine. And um, he really had the foresight. He said, I'm going to go ahead and start planning as though uh, we're not going to have empty bowls. And I said, okay. And it made me really nervous, Rob, to have to make a decision that we were going to cancel that. But we had to, I mean, we have four or 5,000 people who come to that event, but it made me really nervous because it's our single largest uh, event in terms of collecting funding to pay for the services that we provide to the community and to lose that revenue stream and to make a decision that, you know, okay, we're going to cancel it uh, was really scary. That was March 10th and the event was March 17th. Mm. Um, and then we, I, we just went into, I, you know, I, I think that's where, you know, making the right fit, you know, I, that's why I feel like it's, it was like I was meant to be here and it worked out the way it was supposed to work out because I had been through Operation Desert Storm. I had been through 9-11 working for the airline industry during that crisis. And so when we ultimately made the decision, you know, then we, we sat down and said, okay, what are we going to have to do differently here uh, to keep our people safe um, and to provide for uh the community. And so we made really, really tough decisions. I leaned on the executive leadership team and I had just started making changes to the organization chart. And I'm glad that I did because those changes helped to support the change management that we had to deal with to get us through, you know, and, and to get us where we are today with this pandemic. And when this starts, um, you're still getting used to the organization and you, how did you go about educating the public about what's available to them to this process? Um, and then also you have new, basically customers that haven't had to rely on your, your services before. You know, how do you get word out to them? And then how do you also 
um, deal with the increased demand that you had? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because that was that was one of the uh, big ahas that I had. We really truly had an awareness problem. We have three hundred and. 50 today, 350 partner agencies that help us get this food out into the community. But there were a lot of other community um, reaches that had not been made pre-COVID. And I, I'm very good friends with Leah King, who is the CEO of the United Way for Tarrant County. And I can remember having that conversation with her early on. You know, people are going out and they're buying food and trying to help the community and they don't realize that our sole mission at Tarrant Area Food Bank is to provide food for the community during crisis. And we have lots of it. I have over 170 manufacturer, retailer, grocery partners that donate food to us every day. Uh, I get a lot of support because Tarrant Area Food Bank is part of a um, uh, umbrella uh, agency called Feeding America. Uh, there are 200 recognized food banks in the United States and Tarrant Area Food Bank is a recognized food bank by Feeding America. And because of that, um, we go through very arduous um, inspections and approvals. Uh, USDA comes in and inspects us. The Texas Department of Agriculture inspects us. The AIB inspects us. And because we pass those inspections, we also get contributions from the United States Department of Agriculture and the Texas Department of Agriculture. So we have lots of food that comes in and out of our warehouse. We, it's an 80,000 square foot warehouse and we store food in that warehouse. We have coolers and freezers and produce um, areas, canned food areas. Uh, so helping the public understand, okay, you wanna do good, you don't have to go out and buy food. You should be getting your food from Tarrant Area Food Bank was a big part of my first you know, 90 days uh, during the pandemic is just helping other agencies know, hey, we're here. We have partner agencies and they're well aware that we provide that service, but other foundations and other, other organizations such as United Way, Meals on Wheels, Catholic Charities and just really partnering with them to help us get the word out. And it, it has worked extremely well. And did your supply chain management, like there was different shortages at different times when this first started, how did your supply chain management, um, was that affected by the, in the early stages of this and maybe still is? Yeah, so we're very, again, we're very fortunate. Uh, today, about 55% of our supplies come from the government. 40, 40, 40, 44, something like that comes from um, local donors. And that's anything from Albertsons, Tom Thumb, HEB, Kroger, Walmart, Amazon, Target. They all donate food to us. And then we end up purchasing about 1%. And what we're primarily purchasing is what we call ready to eat food. And this is food for children elderly and homeless. So if you don't have the means by which to prepare food, you need ready to eat food, pop top food. And so we actually go out and buy that. So throughout, uh, we did not really have a supply chain issue because we were, we were being supported by the federal government uh, and our you know, local partnerships here with various manufacturers. And then what we were short of, which is, as I said, the ready to eat items. We, we have a um, national supply chain network through Feeding America 
Uh, we, we sourced some of the food there and then some of it we just went out to the open market if we were running short and needed ready to eat items. And with this being the Thanksgiving season, what are some of the programs that you guys have going on and how are you trying to make sure as many people as possible are able to have a, a traditional quote unquote Thanksgiving meal on their table? Well, I'm very proud of what the work that we did just last weekend, last Friday, this past Friday. Uh, we worked with uh, the Big Good, which is a Gary Patterson Foundation. Um, and we planned on serving 6,000 families. We were giving um, 80 pounds of food, so a turkey plus all the sides, plus enough groceries to last three or four days for a family of four. We anticipated 6,000 families and we served over 9,400 families for that Thanksgiving distribution. Uh, so that's a huge accomplishment for us. And in addition to that, uh, we also are doing daily uh, mobile markets. Uh, last week alone, we did uh, 55 mobile markets in our 13 county area. We do that with the help of our partner agencies, the 350 that I mentioned. And we'll continue to do that um, you know, every week and, and, and in support of the community. And that, again, is our sole mission at Tarrant Area Food Bank is to provide food for families that are struggling and are in need. And you've been a member of, of the DFW community for a while. You've served on a number of volunteer boards. So through the years, how have you seen TCU's role in the community change among the different boards you've been on? And, and I know they've done some work with the Tarrant Area Food Bank recently. Oh my goodness. Uh, TCU is a big supporter of Tarrant Area Food Bank. In fact, our founder, uh, and Tarrant Area Food Bank was founded in 1982, uh, is a graduate of TCU. I today have uh, three board members who serve. Three of my 20 board members um, are uh, tied to TCU um, as professors or uh, as employees of TCU. So TCU has always played a big role for Tarrant Area Food Bank. And I think that you know TCU really encourages that community effort and involvement. And of course, many graduates of TCU stay in Fort Worth. And I see other fellow, you know, TCU graduates in, in everything that I do, whether it's volunteering for another board or seeing TCU come out to the Tarrant Area Food Bank to, to provide a day of volunteering. Uh, my social circles, I mean, it just TCU, I feel like is just a big supporter of the community and encourages its students to play an active role in supporting their local community. And I know recently that TCU had a Can Kansas food drive, really helped out the community. I guess what, what are the efforts you saw from, from things like that along with your, uh, and, and how many different programs like that um, are helping with your uh, mobile markets and things like that for Thanksgiving? Well, the biggest thing that's happening for us right now is um, the support we're getting from the community in terms of volunteering at the outdoor distributions and also individual contributions uh, that are being made through financial donation. We've seen a, a tremendous increase in the individual contributions from individual community members rather than corporations uh, or foundations. So uh, those things have played out uh, very well for us. And I'll tell you, we can't do it without that kind of support. I mean, we can't, um, we can't be providing 50% higher distribution rates 
uh, without the additional financial support and the additional uh, volunteers to come out and help us do it. The Big Good was a huge, huge supporter uh, last weekend. They've done distributions in the past, but they had the foresight to ask Tarrant Area Food Bank to be a part of it this year. And we were able to provide so much more than just uh, a turkey. We, we provided, as I said, groceries to last them the week. And uh, we served many, many more people than I think either of us had anticipated. So very, very nice success story. And I did see pictures of that event from social media um, with the Gary Patterson Foundation. I guess how unique is it? And what does that say about your organization that you get a, a head college football coach in the middle of a season <laughs> taking a day out to, to really help the community and, and spread the message about, you know, what that organization you guys are doing? Yeah, I, well, we've never had that before. <laughs> we have great foundations in Fort Worth. Um, Sid Richardson, Eamon Carter, um, there's, there's some great foundations that do provide a lot of support to us. We've never had a head coach. And because I'm a TCU graduate and he's the TCU coach, it really <laughs> has even more meaning for, you know, Terranary Food Bank. I, we have nine, I think the count is nine employees who are graduates of uh, TCU. So roughly 10% of my employee base graduated from TCU. So uh, it bleeds purple around here. I'll tell you. And if there's someone that wants to, is listening to this and wants to get involved knowing the Christmas season is right after Thanksgiving, they may not have a lot of money um, to, to help out this year, but what are other ways that the public can kind of help get involved and, and help you guys out? Yeah, come out and volunteer, you know, experience what it's like uh, to help other community members. You can go to our website, www.tafb.org. Bottom left-hand corner, corner, there's a volunteer icon. You can click on that. It will give you all the volunteer opportunities that we have. Uh, come out and do it. Come out as an individual. Come out as a, as a group. If you've got a group of friends or family that want to come and help, we would greatly appreciate that. And of course, um, we can always use the financial support. That's available on our website. And if you know anybody who is struggling with food insecurity and they need help, you can also find that on our website. Again, it's Look at find food, put in the zip code, uh, and all of the food distribution opportunities um, will be listed for your community by zip code. So if you or somebody you know is struggling with food insecurity, please direct them to us. We wanna help, that's, that's our sole mission. And with this being a TC alumni podcast, we'll wrap up with this. What is your favorite memory um, through the years of TC, whether it be as a student or coming back as a volunteer or just as a, a proud alum? Oh my God, there's so many. That's such a hard question, Rob. <laughs> I think my favorite thing uh, ever was rappelling off the side of the TC stadium. I mean, that was just a, that and going and seeing Gary Patterson in his office two weeks ago, all-time favorite. I mean, go Frogs, go. Go Frogs, that is the message that we all have throughout the year and especially on this Thanksgiving season. So thank you again, Julie, for joining us today. This is especially memorable given that this is the Thanksgiving season. Um, and thank you again to all that you and your organization are doing. Thank you, Rob, thanks for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. 
If you or a friend or family member would like to get in touch with us to share your story, please contact us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TCU Alumni. We look forward to sharing our next story of how TCU alumni are changing the world.